Hello and welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds, a production by physicians with advanced degrees in cannabis medicine. Your hosts, Dr. Lee Van Oker, Dr. Les Matthews, and Dr. Hal Altman, will offer unbiased medical cannabis education for healthcare providers and the motivated public. Our content is selected with the objective to fully explore cannabis as science and medicine and pledges to reflect current cannabis knowledge with no hidden agenda nor sponsorships. Hello and welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds, a production by healthcare providers for healthcare providers with the goal being to provide unfettered education in all things cannabis. Uh, my name is Les Matthews and I'm joined today on Cannabis Grand Rounds by Dr. Lee Van Oker and Dr. Hal Altman. In our earlier podcast, we began to have a discussion about the history of cannabis and how it has evolved to where we are today in the United States with cannabis as a Schedule I drug. We'd like to take a step back again in this uh, podcast and uh, review some of the evolutionary uh, aspects of cannabis, beginning with the uh, early taxation that was imposed on cannabis and some of the the reasons behind that in the early 1900s. So, Lee, I'll ask you to get into that subject in a little more detail for our audience, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. And it was fascinating. So very early in the 20th century, um, also uh, proponents like William Randolph Hearst brought this uh, to Congress, the Marijuana Tax Act. And it actually, it didn't prohibit cannabis use, but it levied taxes on businesses, physicians, and pharmacists um, that made it very expensive to import, to use, to compound cannabis. And it was really fueled, not by science, but by xenophobia, greed, and racism. William Randolph Hearst had a lot of timber companies. He had the newspapers, and uh, hemp was a cheaper alternative for creating paper. So uh, using his newspapers, he kind of fueled the politics, and uh, they specifically used the term marijuana, which was the Mexican term for cannabis, and, uh, you know spread this propaganda that it was causing crazed Mexicans that were drug addled to come across uh, to the border and commit crimes. And it was strictly xenophobia and racism, right, Hal? And then, of course, there was a newly founded bureau, uh, Federal Bureau of Narcotics. So, right, Hal, with Anslinger. That's exactly right, Lee. Uh, what, what's interesting, we touched on this at the last uh, podcast. Cannabis was part of our pharmacopoeia until the mid-20th century. It had been used as medicine by many, many cultures uh, effectively. What happened then in the 20th century that changed all this? And it's, uh, like most things, it's a combination of political and sociologic uh, phenomena. The Air of prohibition uh, had a major impact on the way that people looked at mind-altering substances. And Lee, you mentioned, I think you mentioned, uh, Harry Anslinger, who is a main character uh, in this story during the 20th century. Uh, Anslinger um, was the czar, if you will, of prohibition. Uh, and when prohibition failed miserably, 
uh, he needed uh, another position and began to focus on marijuana, as he called it, um, which helped him to uh, express some of his xenophobic and, and racist ideals, uh, blaming uh, much of the uh, crime in this country on uh, blacks and Mexicans who happened to use cannabis. So marijuana became a pejorative term that allowed him to, uh, to paint those two cultures with, with a very broad uh, brush. In 1936, uh, after Anslinger became the, the chief of the Narcotics Bureau, newly formed Narcotics Bureau of the federal government, he joined forces with William Hurst and started to, uh, to pump out a lot of propaganda. And probably the most famous thing uh, that he produced was, helped to produce, was Reefer Madness. And if our listeners have haven't had a chance to take a look at that movie, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, and it's an incredible uh, characterization of cannabis, uh, blaming cannabis uh, for all sorts of ills uh, in the society. Um, I'm, I'm going to quote something that I think really gives you some insight into who Anslinger was. There's a, a great uh, book that I would recommend to all our listeners called Marijuana, a short story uh, by John Hudak. It uh, was published in 2020. And this is a quote from that book, a quote attributed to Anslinger from the book. No one knows when he places a marijuana cigarette to his lips, whether he will become a philosopher, a joyous reveler in a musical heaven, a mad insusate, a calm philosopher, or a murderer. Um, if you watch Reefer Madness, uh, you'll see that, um, that Anslinger is trying to convince the culture um, that it's the latter, uh, that, that people who use the product become a murderer. So in the, in the 20s and 30s, Anslinger comes onto the scene. Uh, he helps lead um, the prejudice against cannabis. And then suddenly uh, in the 1940s, we go away from controlling the substance uh, through taxation to uh, getting into formal uh, legislation that outlaws the use of cannabis, even in, in medical circles. We, we go through an evolution then in the uh, early uh, 20th century from one in which cannabis was being controlled through taxation to one in which cannabis was now being controlled by legislation. And can you give us some insight, Lee, into what led up to the uh, Controlled Substance Act that we'll talk about in our next podcast? Yeah, sure. But I do want to mention one thing. Do you know the only uh, group that came out opposed to the Marijuana Tax Act was the American Medical Association. At the time, their legal counsel was an MDJD, Dr. William Woodward. And he said, and I quote, there is nothing in the medicinal use of cannabis that has any relation to cannabis addiction. I use the word cannabis in preference to the word marijuana because cannabis is the correct term for describing 
regarding the plant and its product. The term marijuana is a mongrel word that's crept into the country over the Mexican border and has no general meaning, except it is related to the use of cannabis preparation for smoking, but not recognized in medicine. And uh, it was interesting. He was very concerned. What are we going to use in place of cannabis tincture if it becomes too expensive to use? But yes, um, I digressed. But I thought that was fascinating. But no, it's a great, great, great. Yeah. Point. Great but in point. the late fifties, Eisenhower appointed members of the cabinet to create an interdepartmental committee on narcotics, and they had a nineteen fifty six report known as the Eisenhower Report that was focusing on the harms related to cannabis, and it outlined fourteen recommendations. The tenth consideration or recommendation was pushing for harder penalties related to marijuana, and that's when it was called for increase increased criminalization, increased mandatory sentencing, even for first-time users. So at that point, the government had moved away from the law, which created financial penalties in 37, and then, as you alluded to, Les, ushered in a new era for the criminal justice system to take over and... Um, and start to punish cannabis users. And then as you look from the 60s to 70s, there was an increased use in middle-class college, um, college youth. And um, what's interesting is there were some concerned in government at locking up America's, as they quoted, brightest for these minor uh, possession charges. It became kind of unpalatable as the arrests increased. And Congress then enacted the Comprehensive Drug Abuse Control Act in the 70s, and it sort of separated marijuana from other drugs. It did lower the maximum penalty for possession of one ounce or less to a year in jail with $5,000 fine. But more importantly, it did get rid of no mandatory sentencing. And judges did have the discretion at that point of choosing probation. So if there weren't further offenses, it would sort of get rid of that stigma. But then again, it was only in certain communities. And we know as we move forward, um, with um, cannabis's illegalization, and when you we talk about the uh, Controlled Substance Act, communities of color can uh, um, and lower socioeconomic communities continue to be harmed. But another interesting thing in the '60s, guys, was that President Kennedy had an advisory commission on narcotic and drug abuse, pushing back on the Eisenhower report. And after his assassination. Johnson saw the futility, believe it or not, in criminalizing users. And in 66, he addressed Congress and he said, and I quote, our continued insistence on treating drug addicts once apprehended as criminals is neither humane nor effective. It is, hasn't curtailed uh, addiction nor prevented the crime. So I found it fascinating, you know, that I, and we've all learned this in school. I didn't know about any of this. Um, that actually in the 60s, Johnson realized that drug addiction is a public health problem. It's not, and a crisis, it's not a criminal problem. And at that point, 
Um, I think they developed the department. Uh, he moved it away from law enforcement and put it into the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. And this was formalized in 65 with the Drug Abuse Control Amendment Act, which kind of expanded the powers of the Secretary of Health, um, Education, and Welfare. And um, unfortunately, in the next podcast, we'll talk about it. It kind of got set back when Nixon declared the war on drugs. As we talked earlier, all of these uh, issues cannot be looked at purely as uh, medical science. Um, and the, the two sort of characters that I look at uh, in the 20th century that put us where we are today are Anslinger, and we talked about him, and he actually had influence until 1962, so it would have been into uh, the Kennedy-Johnson era. And then uh, as, as he sort of exits the scene, uh, we've got Richard Nixon coming on. The, the whole uh, politics of the Vietnam War and the use of, of marijuana uh, with protesters and people who were his political uh, enemies uh, certainly drove him, I believe, uh, to consider uh, what we will talk about at the next broadcast, uh, and that is the uh, CSA, the Controlled Substance Act. So I, it's, uh, it's a fascinating uh, mix of politics, culture, and science. So, so where, where we are today is living under the Controlled Substance Act that was passed, as Hal mentioned, under the Nixon administration in the 70s and still is uh, overhanging everything that uh, influences cannabis, both from a uh, therapeutic as well as a recreational standpoint. And in our next podcast, we're going to take a deeper dive into the Controlled Substance Act. So thank you all for listening. We uh, greatly appreciate your uh, participation in our podcast, and we'll talk soon. All information, material, and content on this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional and or medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment by a qualified physician or healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. Cannabis Grand Rounds LLC does not offer personal health or medical advice. If you have a medical emergency, call your doctor or call 911 immediately.